Welcome to the Nightmares Podcast, a Midwest Horror Network program. Uh, today I am with Mark and Zach. And today you introed that like a PBS special. I was gonna say we're a program now. <laughs> yes, we are. But Tonight on PBS News. The um uh, brought to you by viewers like you. Oh we kind of are. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brought to you by viewers like us rather than the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. The, um, uh, hey, Brandon, what do we watch today? Uh, so today we're doing things a little differently. Instead of taking on like a whole genre or a specific topic, I showed Mark and Zank a horror movie that neither of them had ever seen before, and we're going to discuss it. Mark, what did I show you guys today? <laughs> the Howling. And I watched it further than the first 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we did try to watch it about, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. Yeah, and it was on a day where all three of us were just dead tired and we just couldn't do it. So we finally picked it up again today and finished it. Yay! Was it worth it, Mark? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. Uh, it was a very enjoyable um, uh, enjoyable uh, film. The uh, I, don't, I don't sound very convinced, but... Uh, it's a slow burn at the, at the beginning, but, um, uh, you know what, I think you said the best, uh, after we're done watching, like, it is way more of a mystery, uh, than it is a straight up horror, um, horror werewolf movie. So, which I appreciate, man, I like, I like mystery movies. Um, but, uh, the effects were, were, were good. Um, uh, there was a, <laughs> there was a lot of crazy shit going on in the movie. I will tell you that though. The, uh. Plenty of werewolf sex going on. Zach, what did you think? It was pretty boring. Wow. So it sounds like we're going to have a bit of a split between the two newbies here. <laughs> um, it, the Certainly not by any means my favorite of the mystery horror um, movies. Um, I enjoyed it um, for what it was. Um, I thought it was enjoyable, but I certainly didn't love it. And I'm not going to, um, I probably won't rewatch it for quite some time the until I forget about it and then I'll watch it again it, it I, I'm not gonna rush out and watch it um uh, as soon as I possibly can but I did enjoy it and I'll say uh, the first time I saw it I was probably closer to how Mark felt like it's not a movie that I outright loved the first time I saw it and then like I first saw it when I was in like maybe eighth grade I think and then while I was in college, towards the end of my college days, I was kind of thinking one day, you know, I kind of want to rewatch The Howling. And so I rented it from a, back when Netflix still sent out DVDs. Uh, back in the day when Netflix sent out DVDs. Back uh, in my day, we went to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. And then Blockbuster made a half-assed attempt to compete with Netflix where you could order online. Actually, the first time I watched <laughs> The Howling, I did rent I did rent it from Blockbuster's oh, mailing service. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, when, they, when you can order it online and then have it delivered to your house, and then you can either send it back or deliver it to a Blockbuster and stick it right in the specialty slot that they made. Oh, the specialty slot where you don't have to go in when they're open or closed. You just go whoop. But, which I'm going to say, too, back in, back in the day, if you were near a Blockbuster, I do think the Blockbuster mail-in was the better deal because you get three DVDs by mail, unlimited, pretty much. Same thing as Netflix. But you also got two free rent, in-store rentals a month. So if you had a Blockbuster nearby, that was a pretty good deal. Yeah. Blockbuster yeah. was great when they had their Game Pass. You could go rent any game instead of having to pay 60 bucks a month just to get a new game. It's like... 
I think it was like 20 bucks a month. You get unlimited games, whatever you want. Just go switch them out. And it was fucking awesome. I do remember that. I do remember that. Um, uh, and then uh, Blockbuster slowly started to lose all of its prestige. I still miss Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. Especially Hollywood Video. Hollywood Video just had the look and movie selection, but Blockbuster just kind of had the better deals. Did the better deals towards the end? Towards the end, yeah. They, and they had the you know they definitely had at least in my eyes the more variety. Although if you couldn't find whatever you're looking for a blockbuster, chances are you go right down the street to Hollywood Video and find it. Yeah, for a long time, it would, me and my family would just go to Hollywood Video, and then I forgot what happened and why we stopped going to Hollywood Video. I think it was because this is when they were starting to close, and Blockbuster was all that was left. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was still before like the Netflix time and shit like that. But either way. I still fucking love Hollywood video. So many great memories. <laughs> and now we have family video. That is the only one left. And one blockbuster. I've right. never even seen a family video before. And uh, That's a suburban thing, isn't it? The I guess it is. Like It's actually not even a suburban thing. It's a country thing. Yeah, we have one back in my hometown. So anyway, getting <laughs> back to uh, the conversation. So it's... Um, yeah, so I didn't love it the first time I saw it. And then when I was in college, I wanted to watch it again. And I liked it more that time. And then Shout Factory, under their Scream Factory label, a couple years later, released it as a collector's edition Blu-ray. I bought that because it was on sale, watched it again, and I've just progressively liked it more and more each time I've watched it. Um, There's a lot more subtleties that I appreciate each time I see it. Um, A little bit more of the humor comes out at me each time. Um, So it is a movie that has... It was. It never started as one of the greats in my mind, but it became one of the greats. Um, so yeah, uh, Mark, since you clearly liked it more than Zach, did you want to tell our audience what The Howling is about? Uh, the Howling is about uh, a really, uh, really interesting thing. It starts out with a TV news reporter. Uh, the same. The mom from ET uh, plays a TV anchor who is investigating some creepy guy. That is calling her and stalking her, and uh, she uh, goes to a payphone uh, to uh, to receive a call from him. For those people who remember, payphones were these thing, these little stations where phones were able to be used by the public. Um, Mark, uh, people know what payphones is. That joke is so old by this point. Yeah, I love how you use, uh, you said I, people know what face, uh, what pay, payphones is. He knows that he knows what they is, Brandon. Yeah, I'm country. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Your country? The um, uh, country people. And he likes it that way. Uh, but anyway, uh, he uh, calls her up and uh, and then she ends up walking into a dirty um, uh, dirty uh, magazine slash video slash peep show slash just general dirty building where they show just porn. Just call it a porn shop, Mark. The, um, uh, <laughs> the, uh, see, kids, back in the day, you didn't ha- you know, they didn't have the internet, so you had to go into a store to purchase porn. Um, and then go watch porn in a creepy back room where they would screen different types of porn. Um, uh, back when New York it was a even bigger shithole, um, and Times Square was literally nothing but porn shops and titty bars. And so she walks in, and somehow I don't know how this um, person—I um, uh, guess it was Eddie. Um, her stalker um, ends up in the same room. I don't know where there was a back door or what happened, but uh, she, she gets attacked by him. Uh, you know, she kind of blacks out, doesn't really know what happens, 
And then um, she uh, goes ahead um, uh, and tries to get back to her normal life after the attack, but she clearly cannot. So uh, she is seeing a therapist, or her therapist makes a suggestion that she should go to a group retreat um, out in the middle of the woods somewhere. Uh, and, and then some crazy shit with werewolves happen. Um, uh, and uh, spoiler alert, um, it's a cult of werewolves that are all out there. It's everything is uh, going on. Uh, they're all werewolves. And uh, there's some werewolf sex. Um, and there's and animated werewolf sex and animated, for one shot. Well, yep, that which is correct. looks terrible. It did look really bad. It was very dated. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, which it's not as bad as the uh, short animation in the 1989 Batman movie. I didn't see. There that. is one overhead shot of Batman walking on a roof, and Batman himself is animated. And it looks terrible. I do not remember that at all. But, okay. But now I will look for it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty crazy movie. A lot of werewolves, a lot of secret societies. Um, uh, and the, the two, like, the big positive notes I will say about this movie is I thought that the, um, the transformation effect was pretty good. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I know we make fun of smoke machines a lot, but this movie actually used them effectively. Um, it wasn't too overpowering. I think it had the right amount in there. Uh, I think my biggest criticism, though, is it's it just a slow burn. Like, it's like it's a very slow burn. And I think I'll probably... I might. Well, let me ask you this. You say slow burn like it's a negative. Is slow burn inherently a negative in your mind? No, not necessarily. There's plenty of movies that, that, that have a slow burn. Um, I think there were some parts when I'm like, man, you gotta, you know, like, let's... We've got to tighten this up a little bit more. Um, uh, the, um, and I didn't feel tension... And in a lot of places, I felt dead air. Okay. And, and that's like my biggest criticism of it. But again, my my perception may change when I view it again yeah, a second time. I, I'm trying to think of where you would have, like, where did you feel this? Because like... I, you know, I can't particularly remember um, right where. It was just an overarching feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really pinpoint um, uh, an actual time when I felt um, that there was dead air. But the uh, it seemed like there was... I don't know. It was a very odd, uh, odd thing. I was like, mm, I, I feel like there's there could be some cuts here, hmm. but I'd actually have to go back and watch the movie even closer and be like, here's where it is. Here it is. I don't know what the timestamps are at. Yeah, I mean, um, it'll just be interesting to see when you do revisit it eventually if you still feel that. I maybe like, like I said, each time I've watched, I've liked it more and more. Like the first time I saw, it, I was like, okay, that was okay. I had some good moments, but overall, it was okay. But like now, I think it's. It, I don't know if I'd call it my favorite werewolf movie, but it's definitely up there. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't know, it's up there with Late Phases and Ginger Snaps and Dog Soldiers for me as one of the best werewolf movies. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for, uh, for what it was. The, um, honestly, like besides you know a couple really good creature effects. The um, uh, you know, and, and the very mem- memorable werewolf sex. Um, I like, I won't really remember the characters with the exception of the lead and then her two friends from the news and her mm-hmm. husband, but everybody else kind of just blended in for me. Um, I didn't really, and I didn't really see given what the movie's about. I, I don't think you're really supposed to see them as individuals because it was like one of those self help retreat type things sort of like a cult mentality 
Um, so it's, I, I don't feel like other than the main character, like the main important characters, I don't feel like anybody else was supposed to really stand out as an individual. I get you. You know something funny too, and this is going to sound really stupid, but when we got to the end of where they showed all the cults, you know, the cult members, and you figure out what's going on, I don't remember what happened to her husband. The um, Was he there when, when they were in the barn? Or did he get killed? She did mention that she killed him, and then there's that one very brief flashback of him biting her as they're escaping into the car. Yeah. And I, I will say that's uh. probably the thing that I think um could be improved is because he is the one that bit her she does become a werewolf at the end but it's that was one of the things that came became more apparent to me on rewatches because it is very just kind of brushed over Mm -hmm. like they like it's obvious they were trying to hide it but then because they hit it so much it's kind of just a rush like one shot that flashback was what one shot there wasn't even a flashback. I mean, it just happened while they were trying to get away in the cop car. Okay, I thought that was a flashback. Yeah, no, no that no, wasn't no, a that, flashback. That, that, that was, was in the cop yeah, car. That was like, okay. They're escaping in the cop car, they're driving, and then somehow that asshole managed to sneak his big furry ass in the car, okay, cause bite she, her. Cause and she then did she... mention that she had to kill her husband just in passing. So when it <laughs> had her... So it's... I, so, okay, so yeah, so that really just goes double of the, the husband... And her, the husband biting her really could have been done better. Like, that is yeah. easily my biggest thing that I think could be improved. Um, but other than that, I think it's a very good movie. Yeah, I didn't even yeah, I didn't even catch that. It, it was kind of like, it was almost like he was here one, one second and then gone the next. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, the, um, I think that, you know, I'll remember very, like, um, brief parts of this movie but if somebody asked me in like just general conversation like hey you ever see the howling I like, yeah i saw it I'm like oh what'd you think i was like I was, it was pretty good you know i i don't think that i'll have a distinct emotion about it one way or the other it's almost very like neutral with a with a slight lean to good the um like that's my general consensus about it um i think I almost like in, and I kind of became Zach for like two seconds um, uh, when he actually was choking her. I kind of wanted to see some shit. Like I wanted to see her get legitimately eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see that that you know that gore effect of, of her getting her neck ripped out. And I, I was like I was like I kind of want some because to me it, it was it was almost like. They really, I mean, you only saw the after effect yeah, of her body. Has but Joe Dante ever really been a gory director? I suppose not. Um, uh, the it just considering the circumstances of what was going on, I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really even come into my mind of. I really didn't matter to me who was directing at that point. Yeah, but I mean, it's when we're talking about gore because like some directors do go more into gore. Than others, and Zach, you can chime in any moment that you want. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it would have been, would have been necessary. Yeah, in that like I, it wouldn't have felt out of place here. But it's uh, Joe Dante has never. Now that I think about, it, I don't think he, like I think the Howling, even though this one does still have its humor to it, this is probably his most horror centric movie he's done. Here's every- the thing: it's like you have these graphic transformations, these really cool creature effects, and you do nothing with it. Like he lit- like what it literally looks like is he puts his mouth on this girl and then she's dead. 
He doesn't bite her. He literally... You could even say that it looks like he lays his head right next to her and that's mm-hmm. it. Like, it looks ridiculous. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. It's kind of super one. disappointing. You do nothing with these cool creatures. Like, the coolest thing that I saw in the movie... Other than the transformations, was the arm getting cut off? But other than that, that was a good scene. It, yeah, it's like everything just feels so bland. And you know what? And I think that's where my problem came in. And then I think that's why my slow burn comment is even more apparent. Because to me, the payoff isn't good enough for for my investment and in what I've and what I've uh, I've been watching. Like I, you know, like there is some tension going on, and I do agree that there is some some decent tension going on. But it is the slow burn. I'm fine with a slow burn, but eventually you got to pay me for my you, you got to pay me for my patience. And and it feels like when we got to the scenes where it should have been a payoff, and that that chick should have been ripped apart, considering how powerful that werewolf was, it should have been something bigger. Um, I kind of wanted something bigger, something more. You know, I I don't know, and, and maybe not necessarily even graphic, but like. Just something more than just, you know, like it felt like. Um, Tear her arm off. Do something. It, it, Rip her. Bite her head off. There's so much you can do yes, there. Yes. It, um, uh, it, it felt like the like the original monster movies back in the 30s. Like where there wasn't, like you, you could only show so much back then. Yeah. Like, but, you know, we're talking about the 1980s when it was, you know, there was plenty of shit that was going on that was, you know, no holds bar. And I figure, you know, and it, it should have been more of a of a thing. Um, again, going back to what Zach was said, I don't know what that thing was, but I, you know, I shit, I would have took it. You know, I, I kind of wanted to see. I would have been fine with her being thrown out the window, you know, versus what we actually got. Um, I would have been fine with that more than I would be, would have been. Would have been a little bit more violent, but I mean, what we got was just super disappointing. The, disappointing. Um, I'm sorry. The um, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and never in a werewolf movie would I anticipate that you would mostly kill a person by choking them out. Um, and yeah, he did eventually bite her, but for the most part, he was choking her out. Um, uh, so it, it really it, it was just one of those things that that I was like, okay, well, da. The um and honestly, man, the, the one thing I will say is, and the more I'm thinking about it, um, I didn't really see Joe Dante's sense of humor. I may see it on the second time around, mm-hmm. but I saw way more of his sensibility in that last like five minutes. Yeah, you when everybody's doing the commentary on it, like I'm like, oh, there's there's Joe. I'm so glad he decided to show up. Werewolf uh, news lady just turned into a werewolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, which is interesting because like the whole self help retreat thing. I think that was way before our time. I think. Oh. So yeah. it's very possible that a lot of the humor just is lost on us because it's of something that's just not in, of any part of our generation. <laughs> not even the generation before then either. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it, it, you know what's so funny though is like, and that's the weird part because, like the seventies were like were a big like. Like swingers groups and stuff like that, but I never heard about any any like self help groups in the. I mean, therapy was becoming more popular in the eighties. But I mean, I've heard of self help groups before, but I'm not expecting like anything magnificent or something that we wouldn't know about. I mean, there's self help groups today. There's self. There's been self help groups for a long time. The, uh, so maybe you're right, but I I'm not gonna put my chips in that bin because it's like. And, and is in the regard of like humor in them, like it's 
it, it doesn't really count as humor when our jokes are funnier than than what's being said on the screen. Yeah. Like when when he got back. And it, and here's he, the thing: it also doesn't even feel like a self help thing. It feels just like a normal community of just people. Yeah. There was no like. like I didn't see any addicts yeah. or anything in there, or people who needed to like recover from maybe past trauma or something like that. It just looked like. Normal people just hanging out. Uh, Does it look like self-help? Having a hoot nanny. Uh, <laughs> Hold down. Uh, hoot nanny. Hold down. Hoot nanny. <laughs> the um, uh, um, you know, and that was the other thing too is that um, yeah, like the some of the humor, like it, it just it seemed like it never wanted to take a direction. It wanted to just hit a bunch of different bases, and it wanted to hit a baseline, and it just never went in any like. Committed a hundred percent to any particular direction. Yeah, like looks... I would have, I would have loved it for it to been like, it, like if you're gonna be hypersexualized, then be hypersexualized even more. You know, go, keep going. You know, if you want to be violent, keep going violent. If you want to be the, like, you gotta like, you gotta finish the marathon. And it feels like a lot of those things were like n- a non-completion of a marathon. Yeah, looking at where the howling fits into Joe Dante's filmography. Um... Because let's see, the, uh, his first movie is The Movie Orgy, which that's a documentary. Right. And um, then he did Hollywood Boulevard, which I believe he co-directed. Yeah, he co-directed that, but that's a movie that was pretty much put together with unused footage from other Roger Corman movies. Okay. So there was very little actually on set directing, if any. Um. So his first actual movie movie that he directed was Piranha, which was three re- three years prior to this. And that's, you know, one of the Roger Corman movies. So, And, of course, we know Roger Corman movies have a very distinct feel. Um, then he was an uncredited director on Rock and Roll High School, which was another Corman movie. <laughs> I don't know what the story behind his uncreditedness uh, there is. Um, but So The Howling was actually his first, like, actual movie outside of the Corman world. Interesting. So it's when you take that in consideration it do, and with your comments it do, I, I I would say this is definitely Joe Dante trying to find his own voice. Um fair enough. Fair enough. After that he did two episodes of Police Squad. Yes, the, the Naked Guns Police Squad. That was a short-lived TV series. Oh god. Um and then Spielberg saw the Howling, and that's what had Spielberg bring Joe Dante on as one of the one of the directors for the Twilight Zone movie, and then Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. So that's Dante's early filmography, right there. Yeah, rock and roll. I mean, again, like you know, the creature effects were great. Like, and it was a great. I guess, I suppose, it's a very great starting point um, uh, for what he was doing. But I mean. The, uh, you know, there wasn't a, a just lack of commitment in a lot of different areas. The, um, and again, you're probably right. It's probably him finding his voice and yeah. finding out where he exists as, as a director. Um, and, you know, and his next, you know, big film that was after this, um, uh, that he was pretty much doing it by himself was, was Gremlins. And I'm a huge Gremlins fan. I think that movie's fantastic. Um, but it is, you know, that, that story though is very, very almost pretty very focused like it's it knows exactly what it is it's like this happens this happens this happens this happens that happens and then the movie's over like there's a lot of very very specific through line of gremlins um i I don't want to say it's as 
straightforward as Jaws is, but I can see that those those I would say this movie is very predictable, especially once you get to the whole self help like Hoop Nanny. Yeah. Hold down. Hoot nanny. Hold down. They, yeah, they do like start the off that, with the nightly uh, howling hoot nanny. Yeah, like the moment that nympho chick comes in, gives that fucking one dude, her, her husband, the fuck me as I'm like, I know where this is going. The uh, lo and behold, we got there just with a very shitty animated sex scene. Dude, I, 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 I'm I, looking for my wife. Why? Excuse I'm gonna me. take my. I'm gonna take what I assume is a fucking blood filled punch bowl and just leave now. The uh, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting shit going on. It's it's just yeah, the movie became uber predictable and just I didn't care about anybody. Like the most interesting characters in this film are the two investigators, and they barely get any screen time. Yeah, and then there's also that that subplot that like, and I and I dig what's going on like in the occult shop and you know and all that you know that yeah. stuff. Dick, Dick like Miller the, was great. Of course. Dick but he, he the, always is. The parts with Dick Miller were great. Like I said, the two uh, investigators, I actually enjoyed those characters. Everyone else I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And then you have this one guy, Eddie, who's supposed to be like your lead antagonist or whatever. He's there dead. He's there again dead. Oh cool. What a waste. The uh, yeah there really wasn't like much in that regard, and then like um, you know, I think it was a little convoluted about why he was obsessed with her. They never really explain it. I mean, if it's they... like you're different, how? Because you're different, how? Because reasons. Um, because a movie needs to happen, as Brandon would say. Um, uh, the uh, you know, I, I just the the more I think about it, the more I, I I'm going towards eh. Um, uh, with a little bit of twist of good. I mean, you had a lot of really good special effects. You had some interesting, you know, some interesting things going on, but it just never seemed to, you know, it was like watching a, a, an airplane that just never leaves the runway. Like it kind of does bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. I wouldn't even and then say it, it bounced. It's just all right. We're going to our destination, people. We'll see you when we land. Yeah, I don't. That, that's it. The <laughs> and it's over. Uh, the, we hit a little turbulence here. Cough, cough, werewolf design, cough, cough. Oh, oh, well, that's it. Well, we're, we're landing now. But there's no more? Nope. That's... The, but you had a cool werewolf design. Yeah, I know. You know... Alright, well, see you later, everyone. The The sequel will be better, I promise. You know what the funny thing is, too, is that, you know, I, I didn't, you know... I like to care when people are in danger. Mm-hmm. Even though I liked the the reporter girl, who I don't even remember her character's name, um, uh, you know, the I liked what what they were up to, but kind of really didn't care. Like you know, I, I it went back to like watching a very shitty horror movie where I'm like, I just want to see you die. The um, uh, when the lead it, character spends ninety percent of the movie crying. When there's that, and she also has nightmares and everything else. But I mean, and again, you know, the. There was no commitment to almost any genre. Like, it's just kind of this hit a baseline and, you know, kind of dabbled in different things, but never really quite a, you know, like, is it a mystery? Is it a, is it a horror? Is it a this? Is it a that? If it's a mystery, it's a pretty easy solvable one. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not as hard on, on it as you are, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it's kind of the, um, I think, I think Joe Dante has a lot better movies. Um, uh, you know, a lot more to offer um, uh, later on down the road. The um, uh, but as in uh, his first directorial debut by himself, it's pretty good. The um, uh, I mean, 
considering you know you're still trying to find your identity outside of other people that's a, it's a pretty good way to start it yeah and and that means somebody you know if, if it lead in you know led into somebody seeing potential in you then hey more power to you um, I can definitely appreciate that so you've heard us jibble and jibber and jabber about it um uh, you know what are, you know what do you think um and I'm still a little mind blown that I went years thinking that one shot was a quick flashback <laughs> so I'm kind of going still through, on that. I'm kind of going through a little I like identity how I've just destroyed though. Brandon's perception of the movie to a high degree it's like wait that wasn't oh my god he's how the fuck did I miss that <laughs> I love it how when you can back in the '80s when you can leave a pawn shop and you know and and, and then say bill me. <laughs> I just like how he walked out with bullets. It's just like silver bullets, man. You can't do that today. Just shit, dude. Don't you need to sign something? <laughs> um, it was the '80s. But yeah, I mean, other than that massive revelation that Zach dropped on me, just like really, y'all thought that was a flashback? How the fuck did y'all think that was a flashback? I didn't. That's my question. Let's move past this. Uh, <laughs> Brendan's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I don't, I don't need to think about this anymore. Like, like I said, each time I see it, I do, my appreciation for it does grow. Um, I do feel a little more tension each time. I don't know. Like, it's one of those rare movies where, because I know what's happening, I feel more tension. Okay. And I don't know. I can't explain that. That's but. a really, that's a really interesting thing. The, um, you I, could tell the difference in personality here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah I, I, I never even remotely heard of uh, you know of that, but I mean, I'm sure it's possible. Yeah. The um, uh, I, I'll I, let you know I, when I, I see. I really like time. the werewolf designs. I really like the transformation. I do too. Um, which uh, Joe Dante's commentary for the movie is interesting because he does talk about there are certain close-ups and certain shots in the transformation that, like, one of the devices just wasn't working on set. But then the sound effects people just, they would turn that mishap into a, like a bone cracking or something like that. So that was, so he said that was the case of the sound effects team in post-production really saving um, a sequence that he hoped would be really cool. Yeah, Brandon, aren't sound effects great and, you know, sound design? We're not going to get into that conversation. <laughs> I, I, know, I know why you're bringing it up, and we're not bringing that into the our uh, podcast. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I do. Agree. But yes, I agree. The um, I agree with you though. That the transformation was pretty cool. I, yeah. I did enjoy what was going on there, and it was they weren't high, there wasn't a lot of cuts, which I appreciate. Like it, you saw the tra- transformation, and you saw what was going on. Uh, which there, you know, I always appreciate when people do that. They're not hiding things yeah. um, in cuts. It, it, you know, you are legitimately watching that transformation, and you watch it quite a few times, actually. The, um, uh, the I I have one gripe with the transformation. It's a cool transformation, but holy fuck, is it long? The entire time this dude's transforming, I'm sitting here thinking to myself. Girl, why the fuck aren't you booking it while this transformation is taking like a good ten minutes? Yeah, like. I'd be t- fucking six ways from Sunday. Fuck this. You, you, you're you're not you're not the only person to, to think that. I also thought that as well. The um uh, and several specific scenes where people were watching these transformations take place. I'm like, you can you can leave anytime. Yeah, I mean the the, he, the door the path to the door is right there, dude, and it's like, he's clearly incapacitated during this what looks to be pretty 
fucking painful transformation. It's like that joke. He's literally steaming. It's like that joke when when they show the cat um, uh, that's that the, like all the colors are flashing at it. It's like this is what the bad guy sees when the Power Rangers are going through their transformation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like, like, like these monsters just chill and wait for them to go through their transformation. Just like, oh, all right, they gotta do the oh, individual no, transformations. Just, just, just let them do their thing. Red Ranger just, Turbo just, Power. Just let them do their thing. Just let them do their thing. Well, I agree with you guys. There's also that's never been an issue for me since it's, I was a teenager. In movies, and I'll tell you why. It's just this one specifically because it really is long. It is long. Um, but it's one of those things where I took a film class when I was in high school. And the teacher for it uh, was talking about the aviator, specifically the plane crash sequence in the aviator. Right. And he was talking about how it's like a five minute long sequence in the movie. But when you really think about how fast he was going and everything, in real life, it would have been like a four second crash. So it's, that's the thing about editing is you can really expand time in a certain way to really hone in on certain details specifics so whenever something like that that we're talking about how something's taking a real long time why doesn't that person just run out ever since that class just my brain always just goes this is the editor just expanding time in real life if we were that character it's probably a much shorter amount of time to them than it is to us seeing what the editor and the director wants us to see I, I, um, I agree to that. It, it, there, there, although my counter in this particular example would be is there's a difference between something actually being five minutes mm-hmm. and something feeling like it's taking five minutes. Okay. Yeah. You know, if we were to take those two scenes in, in together, like take this transformation and then take that scene from the uh, from the aviator, the aviator does not it, it, it does not feel like five minutes, and it's a white knuckle five minutes. Where you see all kinds of crazy shit happening. Like, you know, there's the planes going through, you know, through houses and he's getting completely fucked up in that and that and um in the cockpit. And it's a very intense scene and you're completely drawn in and that five minutes feels like that. With this, it felt like five minutes. The um uh, like it, it's it, it, it's But I, I'm not talking about if it feels like five minutes to us. I'm talking about does it is it does it feel like five minutes to the character witnessing? Oh no, and, that's and, what and, I'm talking. No, no, about. no, and I and I agree. And, and I just think you know that's you know I, I think that's my argument though about the character. Like if the scene wasn't enthralling enough, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that. I wouldn't think about why isn't the character running away. I would be enthralled with what's going on, and that thought wouldn't even pop into my head until later when we're you know when you're you're thinking oh that's well, that's a silly thing you know why didn't they do that. Or when we're watching, you know, good bad flicks, and you know, and they and they bring that up, or you know, everything that's wrong with this movie, they bring that up. But, but I wouldn't be thinking about that, you know, if the scene didn't was more enthralling and it didn't feel like it was a long uh, a long time. I get what you're yeah. saying. I totally get, I get what, what you're saying. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how you feel about this this scene in in correct, particular. Correct. But in the reality that's taking place within the scene, I'm posing the question of. Was it five minutes to her? Probably not. The um, that's the, that's the question. It is just I'm because some of those extensions looked like they were taking forever to happen. The um, I like his jaw coming out alone looked like it took a good like thirty seconds to a minute. That's enough time to be like, see ya. The and again, I, I think I, I'd go back to what I was saying, and this is why Zach has his perspective. If it was a more enthralling five minute transformation, 
then I think he wouldn't even think that. Or, you know, transform in front of the door so she can't escape. Well, then there's that too. You know, that might be a little bit more of a, a logical standpoint. Yeah, the only other way you're getting out is if you pull a Wes and then just salmon fish jump out the fucking window. The, yeah. I, will, I will tell you this though. She threw that acid the most girly way you could possibly throw acid. I, I, I've never seen it. It was like, <laughs> like I'm surprised it wasn't a, the um uh, like it literally like looked like that kid that you made fun of in gym class when he threw a bait like remember the opening scene of Samlot when he throws the baseball for the first time yeah. and leaves, like that he she threw the acid that way and I'm like oh that's that's uh, that's that's very very feminine um uh, but but yeah I, I mean. Overall, it, it um, yeah, it, and I, I still like the transformation. Oh I, yeah, I, I do. I really like the arm transformation that happened earlier. See, that was more enthralling to me. That was like, really cool. Like that was like that didn't feel like five. I was like, oh shit, this is some stuff going on here. Like I was way more invested in what was going on, and and that that small little area, like the whole scene where she's investigating, and then and then the the werewolf attacks her in the cabin and there's some stuff going on like I didn't really care as much it didn't get down to something enthralling when she was actually in that little area down there and the werewolf went through and then she chopped his hand off and then the transformation then I was enthralled and, and involved in what's going on with the scene and, and that whole the whole transformation with the hand was actually pretty fucking cool um, I, I will agree and I was way more invested in that time um, I, I don't know why. I don't. Maybe it was because she was fighting back. I, I don't. I don't know. The um, I have no particular reason why that one interests me more than other ones. But it was fucking cool. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, I I think I think I think Zach has pretty much uh, closed the chapter on the howling. Um, I'll probably watch it again, but I certainly will not watch. I will not. You'll let some time pass by? I will let some time pass by, and trust me, though, it will be one of those situations where I'm like, I won't cancel plans to go see this the, again. Like, I, if it's on, like, if I happen to be flipping through cable, or if it shows up on Netflix one time, and I'm like, oh, I have nothing else or to Or maybe watch. if Joe Dante shows up at a screening. That, that'll, well, I mean, that's because it's Joe Dante. I, I wouldn't <laughs> give a shit what movie it was. Um, it could be Small Soldiers. The, now, you see, that's a movie <laughs> I would go see. <laughs> God, man, <laughs> that's fucking movie. That is a damn good movie. <laughs> that's a ridiculous movie. Um, I miss Phil Hartman. But yeah, there's um, also like oh, a Phil thousand Hartman. sequels to this movie. Um, I've only seen the second one all the way through. The second one is bad. Like the second one, just by these pictures, looks like it has a little bit more blood. Okay. I'm looking at your face. There are like 10 different screenshots I can Holy think shit, of. Holy shit, it's Christopher Lee. At. Already it must be a better movie. Actually, uh, when Christopher Lee showed up on the set of Gremlins 2, the first thing he did was apologize to Joe Dante for being in The Howling 2. <laughs> That's fantastic. To give you an idea of what he th- of how he felt about that movie. 3.6. Well, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I get the feeling this is probably a much better movie than the first one simply because it... Uh, Christopher Lee is in it, and it's probably so bad, it's hilarious. And then the third one, I had to give up on watching that one. Like, I tried, and I just couldn't do it. Wow. I didn't go beyond it. I 
Well, I don't even see the third one on IMDb right now, so that already says a lot. <laughs> I remember hearing, like, it was either the fourth one or the fifth one. I think it was the fifth one. Jesus Christ, there's five of these fucking movies? There's more than that. How? Uh, but yeah, I think the fifth one is said to be more faithful to the book that it was based on. Oh, good. It was based oh. off a book. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and then there was, I don't know if it was another sequel or if it was a remake or it was just a flat-out reboot that had nothing to do with the actual plot, but there was also The Howling Reborn in 2011. I see that. Um, and supposedly there's another remake. In 2017. The Hel- yep. The Howling. But is that this Howling? There are a few movies called The Howling. Other. Oh, then I, so is, is that related to our howling or is it just I, i'm just looking on imdb let's see wait oh look at that halloween for the freaks okay so i think it was the fifth one that was halloween five more, rebirth yeah that's the one that's said to be more faithful to the book the yeah. uh um, and then there's supposedly another remake coming uh, that's in development from the director of the two it movies and mama huh? uh, so we'll see how that is which i i don't know if you can do this plot in modern day I think you'd, you can. You'd have to. Uh, you'd have to update it. Yeah, like uh, there's there are... some things you would absolutely have to update. Like the porn shop is probably going to be, eh, but I mean, oh, the payphone scene as well. You can't have the payphone scene. Well, dude, I mean, this. Yeah, there's plenty of ways that you can, you know, you can definitely bring this into the modern age. I mean, very. But I mean, that self help camp thing. I know there's shit like that these days as well. So you can easily have that like setting and theme. Just and at the end, when people don't believe they saw a werewolf on the news, they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, that's fake news." Yeah, um, <laughs> you just let, put it on CNN. There you go. Yeah, oh my god, dude! I'm looking at this picture though. Chris Lee looks like he does a lot of drugs, um, or his character does a lot of drugs with these fucking white sunglasses what that he's wearing. What the fuck happened to the costume? Holy shit, dude! He and and I have a feeling this is way more like like sexualized this looks w- not only more sexualized just way over the t- those sunglasses dude i know right like 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 <laughs> you are kidding I, i'm i'm like holy shit man this looks like a more entertaining movie for it's all not, the wrong reasons it really isn't dude it, it, it dude christopher lee looks like an aged rocker that's heading to a parent-teacher conference dude he looks like he's about to be it looks like it's about to be wink at weekend at bernie's yeah, it might be that's that too. That's exactly what that looks like. Yeah, a little bit of that too. The, um, uh, be like, I am, you know, like this is the guy during a parent teacher conference that would lean over to a teacher and be like, like, listen, like, I I am so fucked up right now. Can, <laughs> can we hurry this the fuck up? Like, the, um, I gotta sleep. I've been literally up for like 48 hours. Um, uh, the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I've been up for a week on blow. Um, and I need to go to sleep, all right? You know, like, you can just tell me. You can just tell me my kid's an idiot. Like, I already know. It's all good. Like, you know, he, it's, he's not going to go anywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this up. The uh, By the way, are you single? The, uh, <laughs> um, you doing anything later tonight? <laughs> you doing anything later tonight after my coma? Uh, let me call you later. The uh, Anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I also really like the beginning of this movie. I think it's a good tone establisher, like her with the stalker and going into the porn shop. Like it's just, you, you wouldn't get that kind of build up in a movie today. Like if if it were to be made today, it'd be like that would probably be like a one minute scene, and they'd be already off to the retreat within five minutes of the movie. Hmm. Um, I, I so I I, I, I I like that they took the time to actually establish 
things about the character before just getting like it's not just a oh it's a werewolf movie just cram werewolves in from beginning to end more wolves now the i mean i can appreciate that like you know yeah, that's sure i mean the beginning isn't like it, the movie starts off pretty good i'm not gonna say it starts off super strong but the movie does start off well it's just once you get to that self-help thing it's like oh Okay, so this is where we're going. And again, I'm going to go with Zach on this too. Like, like it didn't seem like anybody that was there needed to be there. They, um, like, none of them seemed to have any kind of, like, real serious problems in order for them to be in a group therapy retreat. Yeah, that's well, one of the reasons they why they were was... actually werewolves. I know, but, but I'm like... just saying, if you're going to put on that facade, at least go with the try, fucking lie. Try. Try something. The, uh, and also, too, you need to you also need to do it for the audience benefit as well. Because if you're trying to preserve a element of mystery, you need to have some kind of legitimacy to, to this whole idea of a self-help weekend retreat. So And you have this girl dressed up in these dark ritual garbs, and you don't expect me to ask questions? It's like, oh yeah, she's absolutely the leader of the pack or something. Just... The... <laughs> She's serving a red bull. It's like, that's blood, isn't it? That has to be blood. I don't even see the guy take a drink. The uh, He may take a drink, but it's just like... The fucking lead singer of Vixen over there. The, um, <laughs> uh, the whole, Dad, that's blood. Correction. Free blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that's, well, that's pretty accurate. Um, uh, I like it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was, yeah, it, again, like I would have liked a little bit, again, this goes back to what I was saying, which was it doesn't seem to have committed to any direction one way or the other. You know, it, it, you know, add more mystery if it's going to be a mystery, add more horror if it's going to be a horror, add more crazy sex scenes if it's going to be a sexualized... Add more blood and tits, come uh, on, everybody loves blood and tits. The, I think that's just you, Zach. Um, uh, the, but, but, you know, you love it. Uh, first one, yes. Second one, depends on the day. Um, uh, the, uh, so <laughs> I really wanted to say it that way just to fuck with his head. The, um, uh, so, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I wish I would have committed a little bit more to certain areas, but again, I may have the same experience that you had, Brandon, which is the next time I give it another try, um, I may think about it differently. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. The, um, uh, you know, it's, yeah. It could, it, be thing, it could be that thing that now that you know where it's actually heading to for the end, you start to pick up more things. and Yeah. the um, I did, did like it, though, that they were similar designs. Um, uh, they, I, if memory serves correctly, like um, the werewolves in Cabin in the Woods were very similar to the werewolves in this. Uh, vice versa, obviously. Um, uh, the I think that the the ones that the, in Cabin in the Woods that they designed were closer to in the Howling than the other ones in any other movie, which I did appreciate that. So, but besides that, yeah, that's my general consensus is you know is somewhere between good to eh, depending on what scene I'm watching. It's not a bad movie, but it's not a good or great movie either. The uh, we know Brendan White like you hear us kind of giving our opinion. You know why do you like it though? I think I think that would be probably a better. Well, uh, I've been trying to tell why, but then we keep getting to these other sides. Sorry about Christopher like, Lee doing drugs on on a set of Howling too. Um, uh, so go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, no. like like I said, it's a, I do see a little bit more of the humor, and that that ending really does get funnier to me each time I see it. So I really do like the ending. 
I do like the mysterious atmosphere of it. I really like the beginning tone that it creates. I love the werewolf designs. I really like Dee Wallace in the role. I think she's really good in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, standing around, waiting to throw acid, barring that. That um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was... <laughs> and she's uh, lucky she grabbed the acid, too, because she wasn't looking. She was just looking for something. Yeah. And she just kind of took... The first thing her hand found just whoosh. Like you are super lucky right there, because there was a green bottle behind you. What was the green bottle? Z- Zach, Life juice. Zach, the plot needs to happen. All right, the, you know the, the the it happened because the script said so. Just saying, there's a door and a big werewolf. You put the werewolf in front of the door. You ain't getting through the door. And I, I really do like the the retreat camp setting. I really like the interesting tone that brings up. Um, this is way more of a tone piece from Joe Dante, I think, than his other movies. Like, Gremlins is just pure story. Um, Piranha's campy, Corman fun. Um, Gremlins 2 is... is uh, it's, it's live action Looney Tunes. The, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. In um, the best way possible. Oh, and then fantastic. Matinee, which is easily his most personal movie. Uh, so it's Which movie? Matinee. Oh, that was him? Yeah. God, I love that movie. And then there's Splatter. We don't talk about Splatter. But... Splatter, Splatter is his best picture, don't deny it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, looking at my five favorite movies of Joe Dante, each of them does have does have something different to offer than the others. And what Howling has to offer is just that mysterious atmosphere. Okay. The, um, I can get it. The, um... And Robbo Team special effects makeup. Fair enough. Which I think his next, uh, the year after that, after Howling, he did the thing. I can see it. I can definitely see it. The, um, uh, I will tell you this though, like again, going back to considering how many Goosebumps episodes we've watched, um, I like what they do with the fog machine. Yeah. The fog machines actually look like they belong in the scene. Yes. As opposed to you literally seeing where the fog is pouring out from. The, yeah, dude, you know that's true, bro. Oh, it, it's the, uh, uh, I don't like, care. It's hilarious. Like, like we put the dry ice here. The um, we put the camera here. <laughs> you see, the fog needs to come out of the roof. The uh, is that how fog works? Who cares? It's we're goosebumps. The, <laughs> he's not wrong, dude. We're fucking Canadian kids television. What the fuck do you expect, man? The, um, like the, the I don't think the uh, the team behind Goosebumps could have ever thought that the internet would take off the way it did, and that there would be a holes like us dissecting and tearing up every aspect of their episode. I really hope that a they lot of probably, these people hear us at some point. They were probably just like, "Oh, it's Canadian kids television. Nobody is going to remember this in twenty years." <laughs> um, uh, Thirty years later, they, ne- they, they never thought Netflix would come to pass. The, um, uh, you know, you can just imagine yeah. some union guy talking to some Canadian director like, you want me to put dry ice where? The, uh, right up uh, on top of, I don't know, I don't think that's really cold. But no, as, as much as we do make fun of that, I really would jump at the chance to have a serious interview with one of the directors or main writers of the TV series just to see, like, what went into their decision. That would be fun. Like, Specifically the camp episode. Yeah, because, like, I mean... Yes. It, it is low-budget Canadian kids' TV, but, in all honesty, what kind of decision-making needs to be made? I would love to interview like the guy um, who did the uh, the Headless Ghost episode 
who was the cinematographer and, director. and the director. Oh, that he, one. I would love to have a conversation with him about, about his experience. I would like to do the episode with the clock that changes time just because I really want to ask him about the, hey, kid, got, got the time. time. <laughs> God, it's just, man. The, uh, <laughs> wow. The stra- that, that's, that, kids, that's where the Stranger Danger campaign came from. It was built off of that episode. And Literally. Of course, they didn't have the, uh, they didn't have After Effects back then either. So some of those post-production effects, it's, I don't know how they did that back then. Zach, you're the VFX guy here. Do you I know? would have to look at it and yeah. dissect it. Like I could probably tell you how I would do it today, but yeah, I can't but tell how you how did they, they do it back then. Yeah, sitting there like with that's Windows re- 95 or 96, just you know. I believe what? most of these people had their own custom programs that were built in studio. That's how they did it. Yeah, like mm. I know that's how Peter Jackson did the effects for uh, the Frighteners. Frighteners, Frighteners yeah. Yeah, because oh. I wanted to replicate that effect, and I tried finding uh, how out how to do it. And I ended up walking into a documentary on how he built this program specifically for that effect. I'm like, yeah. And actually, uh, his effects house started with one computer. And that was for his movie Before the Frighteners, which was called Heavenly Creatures. um, Which was actually nominated for a writing Oscar for that one. Um, And then his next movie after that was The Frighteners. And I think he had to expand from that one computer to like 20 or 40 or something. Like, it was... It was not a minor expansion he had to do. Oh no, not at all. Frighteners. Same thing with fucking Star Wars, the first, uh, the first one. When they, I mean, they had a giant warehouse and they had to build all those custom processors uh, by hand. You know, I remember the one, the one guy was um, uh, the one effects guy. He did, uh, he did like the go, the gopher effects. Um, he did like a bunch of different effects for different movies. I always forget his name. I feel awful, but. But he's like, yeah, back in the day, like, yeah, you know, before we built all the computers, like, you could park your car in the warehouse. I mean, eventually it got full to the point where you couldn't fit anything else in there, but they were building the, the processors one at a time. That's why, you know, everything was so behind, because they had to build all the shit first before they can do any effects whatsoever. Hmm. OG special effects were the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I mean, it's there are things I think could be improved in a remake, but it is the question of will they or will they just make another bland horror remake? Because um, like the the kind of trauma she's going through in this movie, that is a subject matter that is taken way more seriously today than it was back then. than it was back then. Yeah. So that is something that could be expanded upon in a remake. But again, it's a matter of do they want to? Well, you know, that's certainly, you know, a thing. I mean, yeah, when you have more social media and more, you know, access to to people, you know, a lot of news reporters are becoming celebrities unto themselves. So, I mean, yeah, celebrities attract stalkers. So it, it certainly can, um, can happen. And, you know, maybe one of those stalkers is part of a werewolf cult. I don't know. Or who knows? Maybe they'll do a remake, but they'll put it in the 80s. That, that could be it's an always option. an option, yeah. That is always an option. That that yeah. is that is an, an interesting way. To or make it closer to the book. I don't know. Well, I, I don't. What know. year did the book take place? Um, the book came out only a couple years before the movie. So late I 70s. never read it, but I have heard that the um, I have heard that the movie isn't the most faithful adaptation. Mm. Um, but I, without reading the book myself, I can't really say so then yeah make it more faithful to the book put it in the late 70s um and four years before the movie four years yeah. so yeah late 70s 
it's certainly an idea. Certainly see you know where where it can go from there. But uh, but yeah yeah that's uh, I think that's my general consensus on the howling. Would you recommend it? No. Uh, I definitely gonna put this in the Sunday more you know Sunday morning Sunday afternoon category. Like if you're just kind of chilling at the house and you're like you got nothing to watch, you know, yeah, definitely throw this on. You know, I think it's definitely worth that Sunday morning watch. But but yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't cancel plans to go and watch it. So we have one no recommend, one kind of recommend, and one definitely recommend. It's a so neat, neat I'd say you'd have a much more entertaining time watching Splatter. <laughs> no. 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 Yes. No. I hate you so much for that. The uh, Splatter is terrible. Splatter is a masterpiece, and Corey Feldman deserves an Oscar for that acting. Just I would much rather watch Small Soldiers. I would love for him Mark, to... what's your question of the podcast? Hang on. I'm just saying <laughs> I would love for Joe Dante to get on stage and call out Corey Feldman. I bequeath you this Oscar award. The, uh, oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. That would be the weirdest alternate timeline ever. Oh, God. Can we make this happen? No. Please? I don't want to visit that parallel universe. Has Joe Dante even made a movie that's been nominated for an Oscar? Yes, he actually made a movie that won an Oscar. Was it Gremlins? Uh, No. Gremlins uh, 2? Inner Space. It won for visual effects. It beat Predator. Huh? Oh, well, they're wrong. They, uh, ooh. ooh, Um, but the... Alright, um... There's a fire, and you can only save one Joe Dante movie. Um, uh, you can only bring one Joe Dante movie out of the burning house. Which one do you grab? Splatter. That's fine. That's your answer. <laughs> Brendan? I think I might have really, really... Uh... Like, I'm really torn between Gremlins 2 and... Matinee. Remember, it's a fireman. You, yeah. you know, you got time to think. Matinee. Just, thank because, you. Um, yeah, because without because if Gremlins gets burned up, Gremlins Two loses some context. Whereas Matinee, you don't need that first movie's context. I would say realistically, Matinee is probably the best movie in my opinion. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm still between Matinee and Gremlins Two. I would probably grab Gremlins One. The uh, just just because that movie means a lot to me. Uh, from a nostalgia purpose, and then also from just a, a movie that I happen to love a Have lot. You've not seen Splatter though. I ha- I watched it with you, you idiot. The uh, <laughs> I sat here and watched that horrible piece of shit with you. Oh my god! You the, just don't understand the Zach, artistic vision. You are vision. more obsessed with Splatter than Mark is with society. <laughs> I think we're all obsessed with society on a very deep subconscious level, but that's besides the point. It's permanently embedded itself like a tick into our subconscious, the uh, which is another scary thought all unto itself. But I'm gonna go with what um, uh, with uh, um, oh, wow, I feel really bad now. Um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Gremlins? Uh, no. Um, hold on, keep talking. Gremlins is awesome. The um, uh, it's definitely a. Small soldiers? The uh, no, small soldiers is great. It's actually about splatter. The uh, I have no idea. Where oh, going I'm sorry. Um, uh, now I remember. And uh, the uh, my feeling about splatter is is probably what Lee said. Lee said the, the, said the best. He's like, it's a half an hour movie direct, uh, with Corey Feldman uh, directed by Joe Dante. Do not think I'm not going to watch that. 
the um, uh, just to see the clusterfuck that it is. So that's my overarching opinion about that movie. You forgot to mention Tony Todd as well. And Tony Todd, who was probably held by gunpoint to sign the contract to be in that movie. Um, uh, the uh, yeah, and that's a movie I would I would just let burn um, in fire. <laughs> the, I would just let it go. The um, uh, the uh, and the howling I certainly wouldn't get go out of my way to go save. Um, uh, but I I would I I, <laughs> I know you would. Even though it's I, I don't know I am curious to know how you guys would have felt about it if you had seen it like in the eighties when it was first released with a lot of other people. Because it is considered like one of the 1980s horror movies. Um, so it would be interesting to live back then and see what kind of impact it actually had when it first came out. Uh, maybe so. I mean, 19... It was... What year was it? Did 81. It 81. What year was Nightmare on Elm Street? 84. Uh, well, you know... Friday right the 13th was also 81, if I remember correctly. Uh, Friday the 13th was 80. 80? Part 2 was 81. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, there was already things that were more graphic. Yeah. You know, and more horror-esque. Which the first Friday the 13th really wasn't that graphic. I it's, mean, it kind of is, though. I mean, it, you have... Compared to other things that day, Compared yeah. to other things. Oh, thi- yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, there's a couple, like... Yeah, I guess... I mean, I'm, you get I'm a with... full beheading. You get a spear, or... Was it a spear? It was spear. an arrow. It was an, an arrow? An arrow. Yeah, an arrow Kevin, through Kevin, Kevin Bacon's, Bacon's neck. neck and... Mm. A, couple other things but i mean yeah that one was absolutely one of the more graphic ones for its time you of course have texas chainsaw that was 74 that was i'm just almost saying a full decade I'm, i know but i'm just saying it's not like gore wasn't a thing which the original texas chainsaw not that violent either like I, really I would say comparative i'm just saying really look at to that the, movie i'm just saying compared to the howling because hooper was trying to make it a pg movie keep like, trying when you really look at the shots in that movie it is not graphic. It, it's barely graphic, if at all. It's a lot of like theater of the it mind. It makes you feel like you're seeing a lot more than you actually are. It's 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 you know theater of the mind, the psycho um uh, you know reaction. Like you know when yeah. when that when what's her face um uh, a um Jamie Lee's mom Janet Lee Janet Lee thank you is getting murdered in the fucking tub. You swear you saw that knife go in, and honestly, there's only one frame of a kind of Nick going in it's barely it's a shitty effect but like you swear that knife went in but you didn't see shit they you saw a lot of very very good cuts um and it's again theater of the mind you connected through and it's probably no different from texas chancellor Alaska. is you know you're you're but again nobody ever thought about cannibalism back then and i'd say the scares of texas chancellor come way more from what that family is than anything you actually see the, fam- the family of inbred uh, redneck cannibals. It's good stuff. It's a solid, yeah. solid family unit right there. Which this conversation would should be an excuse just to watch the original Texas Chainsaw again. The uh, No, what it is an excuse to do is make the video for you explaining the timeline. <laughs> just get the cork board. Wait the, a minute. I was Dun- the, the prices for cork boards. I am actually. Joe Dante did the burbs? Yeah. Oh. I fucking love it. Actually, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think I might love that movie more than I love Gremlins. And we changed Mark's mind. The um, uh, the, that's, that's why I'm just like, hold on a second. I fucking love that movie. And the, well, I mean, and that's the first time he met Corey Feldman. So there is that. The, when's the last time you saw that movie? College. Three or four years Dude, ago. That's maybe? definitely a movie worth watching again. Um, it is a fantastic movie. Yeah, Corey Feldman is in it. The um, uh, and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I know. That's the uh, um, 
his episode of Masters of Horror is worth watching. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Homecoming. Uh, Basically, it's about dead soldiers who come back as zombies and want a chance to vote. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's kind of funny because, you know, since they got killed during the war, they're now, like, really anti-war, but the Republicans are trying to keep them from voting. (laughs) That's hilarious. The, uh, oh my god. Well, shit. The, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna go with the burbs for my pick. The, uh, uh, I, I do want to check out Erie, Indiana, which was a kid's show. He directed five episodes of that. Of a, of a kid's show called Erie, Indiana? Yeah. Interesting. He's recently directed something called Nightmare Cinema. Uh, that was an anthology. He did one segment. I would say his segment in that was the best. Um, it, unless you knew he was directing it, you wouldn't know he directed it. So it doesn't really have that Joe Dante flavor to it. Mm. But it was the best segment, and the ending does kind of fall flat. But it was a Nightmare Cinema is a worthwhile movie. Um, some stories are better than others, but yeah, his segment and the first segment of which is sort of like a slasher turned on its head. Those two segments in particular are worth watching. Okay. The rest I can kind of take or leave, but yeah, just for those two stories, I'd say it's worth watching. Um, Amazon Women on the Moon is getting a Blu-ray pretty soon, so I can't wait for that, which he directed that along with like four other people, and that's sort of like what Kentucky Fried Movie was, uh, where it's just like a whole bunch of different comedy sketches based around like old horror movies and sci-fi movies. Um, like Sounds they, random as all hell. It is, and they actually do a spoof of The Invisible Man, oh, where it's like The Invisible Man's son or something like that, and it's... It's it stars Ed Begley Jr. and he brings this guy to his lab and he's like, "Watch, I am invisible." And he takes off his bandages, but he's still there. And his lab is like the floor above where this bar is. And so when he comes down, he's like completely naked, thinks he's invisible. And when they hear him coming down the stairs, the bartender's just like, uh, he's coming back down again, you know what to do. So everybody just kind of goes along with it, pretending he's invisible, when he really isn't. Well, that's interesting. That sounds depressing, but okay. It's funny. Okay. Um, yeah, he directed two episodes of Amazing Stories, an episode of the 80s Twilight Zone, Explorers, which I've actually never seen that one. <laughs> Which that starred a young Ethan Hawke. Um, oh, the Hawk of Ethans. And his segment in the Twilight Zone movie was pretty good. Is it though? Yeah. Okay. It was based off of uh, It's a Good Life, which is the same Twilight Zone episode that the um, Bart Simpson turning Homer into a Jack and Box uh, yeah, thing was I based on. Um, but yeah, he takes a more Looney Tunes ish route than uh, an outright, this is terrifying <laughs> route. Um, but that is Joe Dante yeah but he did a good job with it which actually uh, his uh, his segment of that does have Nancy Cartwright in it who Mm -hmm. does the voice of Bart Simpson so that's a nice little full circle moment Mark you you look like you've you're lost in your phone there no 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 I was just looking at Joe Dante's uh, um, uh, filmography just for a moment 
the uh, one to see if there's anything I missed. But uh, no, we pretty much covered everything. Yeah. Um, uh, and he also runs uh, the Trailers to Trailers from Hell channel on YouTube now. Nice. And uh, he also has a podcast that he does with Josh Olson, who's the screenwriter of History of Violence, nice. called The Movies That Made Me, where they interview different people about the movies that have influenced them. The Movies That Made Me. Nice. It's a good, really good podcast. It's one of my favorites. So check, I would check, definitely check that out. But yeah, um, uh, the whole, the yeah, the howling though. Um, uh, at overall, you know, good for a Sunday matinee. But uh, that's about it for me. For um, now. For, uh, for now. For now. The uh, apparently for now. But uh, it will be interesting. A year from now, I want you to rewatch it and let's see if it actually got better or worse for you. You know what? We I'll tell you what we re- will revisit it. Um, uh, the only I'll, if he watches Chud too. The uh, oh god. <laughs> the uh, Brandon looks so sad Brandon right now. Looks like he's now reconsidering his thoughts. He's like, I do not want to watch that fucking movie. <laughs> Every life choice is being examined right now. If you now. really don't want Brandon to do something, say you'll force him to watch Chud 2. It's uh, <laughs> like every like decision that Brandon's ever made to lead up to this moment right in time and space. It's literally the most torturous thing you could ever do to him. The, uh, uh, <laughs> I, you know what, man? I, I, I can't think of another human being that hates a movie more than Brandon hates Chud 2. The um uh, really I, yeah really not not that I've not that I've seen. Have you met me or Justin? The uh, well, yeah, there's that. Both of those guys hate pretty much everything. Have you not listened to Zach's comments on this episode? Did you not listen to me on A24? The, Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you no. about Zach. Oh, the uh, you know the rules. Oh, and honestly, when he starts getting on A24, I kind of just black out. So well, but, fuck you. <laughs> well, so do I, but I really don't feel like losing twenty minutes of my life. So I'd rather just stop before twenty it minutes. <laughs> if I'm lucky, yeah, I think twenty minutes is a is a you know is a very lucky stroke. That rant can go on for a long time, and it's only going to get longer as they keep releasing shitty movies. You know what, man? One of these days, you know what? I think one of these days we're just going to host a podcast. And well, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a deal with you right now, and I'm gonna record it right now. We're gonna do a podcast on A24 horror movies. Oh no! God, and, and why? We're, and we're, no, no, no! And we're going to let you go balls to the wall <laughs> on all of them, and then it's done, and then it's over with. Then I'm gonna you can never bring it up ever again. I'm gonna veto this on the account of. I don't want to sit through The Witch or It Comes at Night again. You have The Witch. I, you have It Comes at Night. You have Midsummer. You I have don't The feel Fucking like... Ghost Story. You have... You've already seen those movies already. So I'm sure like you... the only one worth anything is The Lighthouse. And even that one I still have some serious critiques on. That's a horror movie? It is considered horror. Oh, Jesus I Christ. I personally don't, but a lot of people do. It's literally just Robert... What the hell is his name? Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson and um, Green Goblet. Willem Dafoe staring in front of a fucking camera for an hour and a half. The I'm doing this because we have an exorcism. The um, you realize this is going to be an exorcism that's never going to work. The well, you know, it, like most exorcisms, you just got to give it a shot. The um, and hope hope the girl doesn't die. The uh, <laughs> Um, I'm sure the Vatican is very proud of you right now. The uh, the Vatican will, uh, <laughs> hasn't let me back in. Um, <laughs> the, oh, that means we would also have to watch Hereditary. I'm not doing that. 
I think a little part of Marcus just died right now. Yeah. <laughs> can, hear I, can hear him six blocks away. <laughs> like the only two... Other than the light, I can sit through the lighthouse. The only other two I'm seeing God. that I could stand are Tusk and Green Room. Tusk was so fucking boring. Nothing happened. Which is your general opinion of A24 in general? It's because nothing ever happens. The again, we're talking about before the the discerning. Um, I still don't understand how Ex Machina is an A24 film. It makes no sense. The yeah. movie's good. There's visual effects that are mind-blowingly amazing. There's a fucking story. Right. I didn't know A24 knew what a story was. The uh, All right, Zach. Let, that's for a podcast. For uh, I'm sure that was more Alex Garland than uh, A24. Fair enough. Fair, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be behind that. I'll definitely be behind that. But that being said... Yeah, let, let's end this on a Joe Dante howling note. <laughs> I liked it. The uh, I I'm okay with it. Squirrels. <laughs> All right, so well, yeah, then that ends uh, that. Then watch the howling. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. Fuck <laughs> 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 <Fun> my <laughs> <now. laughs> What the fuck do we? <laughs> yeah, that's what this whole like hour podcast that coming into an like, hour and you're gonna be one of three people. Like maybe you won't. Who the fuck are we to tell you? You watch this because you wanted answers and you didn't get shit. <laughs> You literally got the Neapolitan of fucking answers. Like you went from <laughs> went from like like yeah it sucked to eh to yeah go see it. The um uh, you know <laughs> is it worth watching? Your guess is as good as ours. <laughs> we could not agree. <laughs> Nobody agreed on this podcast. The um uh, I think this might be the first time that we had Mark very this uni- much of a split. Yeah, Mark was the milk toast fence sitter on this one. The oh, very much so. The um, uh, yeah. very much so. I don't and, know. Maybe next time we should do a Joe Dante. We know we all like like Gremlins Two or Matinee. Yes. Matinee. Matinee is such a good movie. I still have to see Matinee. It's a really good movie. I still have to see it. I thought I showed it to you. No, no. You guys show me Gremlins Two. Which I absolutely adore. John Goodman opening up a movie. I think we watched that with Marcus. That might be why. Oh, was it Marcus? It might have been Marcus. Okay. Because I know the first time we all watched it, it was me, you, and Justin. The second time, I think it was with Marcus. And I know we watched it with Marcus. So, So really, we have not shown you Matinee yet. Yep, got to show me Matinee. All right, we're going to show you Matinee one of these days. Yes. Besides my dumbass splatter jokes, that uh, that is my personal favorite film of his. Like, Matinee is a really good, fun movie. The, uh, so. And it's neck and neck with Matinee and Gremlins too for me for completely different reasons. Well, Gremlins is just like, hey, Joe, here's infinite amounts of money. Go make a movie. We, we want a sequel. Just do whatever you want. Just make it a Gremlins sequel. Uh, are you and, sure and you want this? You know what you're at. Yes. And then they finally get the budget. So, uh, Joe, wh- what are you doing? Uh, we're filling that entire building up with cement. What? The, uh, that was out the of, one thing. That out was of one everything thing that happens in that movie, that is the thing where they said no. Yeah, yeah, no, Joe, no. The um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to say no. The um, uh, jo- Joe, this movie has already cost us the entire fucking company. We we can't allow that. I I don't think we're gonna make this money back. No, you'll make your money back, Joe. Joe, no, no, uh, j- j- fuck. <laughs> the uh. It- Telling the fucking city cops, if you see a fucking cement truck go <laughs> between three blocks of that fucking film set, you stop that goddamn truck. <laughs> God, how much fucking concrete would it take to fill a... Bi- that, oh, man. 
some accountant somewhere still having fucking night terrors from thinking about how much money that was going to cost. Fucking wake up in the middle of the night, you know, cement! <laughs> Sweating profusely. Babe, what, what the hell's wrong? Nothing. Just a special effect gone wrong. Holy fuck. I had another Gremlins 2 nightmare. The, uh, baby, that, that movie came out 30 years ago. Get over it. 30 years. 30 years for you. For Gremlins me, it's every fucking a night. $50 million budget. Jesus. The, in what, what year was that? This was 90. Jesus. Yeah, 50 million back then versus now. Big fucking difference. Gremlin in 19, Gremlins in 1984 was 11 million. <laughs> wow. Wow, did he fucking uh, expand that budget like a motherfucker? The um, uh, wow, it's like you're literally giving a kid keys to the candy store. Like, hello. And then the howling was one million. Wow. Hey, we know where the budget went. Those yeah. fucking wolf effects looked really good. The uh, so all right, so uh, let's uh, let's actually wrap this up. Um, uh, so quick, uh, let's do a, a quick actual final thought, Brennan. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's Joe Dante's most atmospheric piece. It has really good werewolf special effects. I do like the characters. I really like the ending. I really like the beginning. I really like the setting. Uh, it's just a very enjoyable movie for me, and it does get better for me each time I watch it. So it will be curious to see what Mark's think, what Mark thinks about it a year from now. And uh, I am lukewarm about it. I think it had some pretty great effects. Uh, but for the most part, there was definitely some holes in, in the story. And it didn't feel like, to me, like it committed in one direction or the other. Um, and I wish it would have. Because uh, I think it would have probably been more invested in what was going on. Um, decent decent characters. Um, uh, pretty d- damn good special effects. Um, the transformation effects were pretty good. Um, again, I you know I would have liked more of a commitment in any given direction. Did you know a blind squirrel is right twice a day? That's your final thought. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're going with? Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Brandon, where can they find us to listen to these podcasts uh, and to okay. not know how we feel about the howling, <laughs> or to not get a proper recommendation of fucking howling? Well, if you want to hear our opinions on other movies and some various filmmaking tips and whatnot, you can listen to our other Nightmares podcast episodes on Spotify and Anchor. You can also find us at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and Slasher. Slasher. So please give us a like, share, and subscribe. And of course, um, we do have a open donation uh, form on Anchor and um, Anchor, um, all of your proceeds go directly to all of the wonderful works that we do. Um, and of course, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. Tell your aunts, brothers, sisters, best friends, and check out our narrative series, Living Nightmares, uh, based on real life experiences. Uh, we have three episodes up now, and we have a fourth episode filming in August or September. Hopefully. That was very confident, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll uh, check you all later. Bye.